This is T. Earl Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 100-ish of Tear Grey Hot, an unofficial <laughs> Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. My name is Yannick, I am the French guy from Switzerland, and joining me tonight is someone who doesn't need to turn into a tribble to be spherical and covered with hair. <laughs> it's my good friend, Dave. <laughs> good evening. I, I, don't, I don't remember who that was targeted to. I don't know. I don't remember if uh, uh, you did that or I did that. So. No, I... Well... It was definitely targeted at me because I think we're doing, well, because we're doing the same thing twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> the first time, yeah, well, at least the first time around, I think it was actually targeted at me. All right. And it's, ac- it's accurate. I- I'll accept this. Okay, good. Hmm. How are you, Dave? I am very well indeed, thank you. Really excited about uh, finally getting to episode 100 again. <laughs> yes, again. <laughs> so, um, I believe you have some explanations for us. I, I do. This is actually, um, in theory, our sixth attempt at a 100th episode. And I'll explain, because if you if you take the initial recording run up yeah. to episode 100, okay, mm-hmm. episode 100 was the 100th episode numerically. Yes. All right. We did an episode zero. We did. So technically, episode 99 was our 100th episode released. Yes. We did another episode zero that no one else knows about. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that episode 98 was our 100th recording. It it is indeed possible that I have lost our first (laughs) recording of episode zero. Okay. And we're doing it all again. We do. So that's where that's where six has come from. <laughs> oh wow! So it's technically one hundred and six. Is it something like that? Uh, one hundred and six, one hundred and seven. Well, seven, no, because we eight. we did all the previous ones twice as oh, well. Yeah. So right. oh wow! Oh, no, no, I wouldn't even wouldn't no, even want to think about doing, how many recordings that is. Yeah, yeah. It was something like hundred and where are we? Hundred, hundred and. 113 maybe yeah which is, which is <laughs> really, really which is why we don't we're not doing anything special for this 100th episode but maybe when we reach 200 and we don't have to do that four times maybe we'll do something y- yes yes or something like that <laughs> in in any case on tonight's episode we are going to review star trek discovery season four episode eight all in yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have uh, stuff to say uh, about this episode during and after the review. So why don't we Most jump right into it? Well, before we do, can I just say one thing? Yes. Well, I say many things, but this step yeah, specifically. We missed it last week, and I think we should definitely call it out. Um, the sad passing of Annie Wershing. Yes who played the Borg Queen in the second season of Star Trek Picard. 
only 45 years old. Yeah. And quite a shock to anybody who who knew of her or knew of her work. I knew her from Marvel's Runaways, and she was also in a number of, of seasons of Bosch. Yes. As you'll remember. Yes, I do. But uh, I, I haven't seen the season two of, Star- of um, Picard yet. Neither did so I. So I haven't seen her. No. Well, season three starts tomorrow? Oh, is it? Oh, it started today in the US, so tomorrow everywhere else. Oh, right. We got a rush finishing this uh, series of uh, Discovery. Um, and then Strange New Worlds and then Picard. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, okay. maybe we do. Ah, but we didn't do season two of Picard, so. Ah. No, we have to do that one first. Do we? What, before we do season three of Picard? Yeah, but, you know, season two of Picard. Yeah, so, so. Sorry, do you mean season eight of TNG? Ah, the, the next one, yes, it's season eight of TNG. <laughs> but season two of Picard, ah, I don't know. Uh, maybe we're going to have to suffer through that. We'll see. Well, if you're going to suffer through that, you can suffer through Lower Decks. Just saying. Yeah. Don't know. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's dive into tonight's review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 8, All In. All right, so in the teaser, we're at Federation headquarters. Vance sends everything the Federation has at Book's ship. He discovers Starka used his own codes to steal the prototype's pod drive. Oops. <laughs> Mm. Was, was not too happy about that. Redak, in a meeting with Vance and Burnham, wonders how nobody saw that coming. She blames Vance for letting Taka run loose and Burnham for not seeing what Booker was up to. She's worried that if words get out about what Booker and Taka did, people will lose trust that the Federation can achieve first contact with the species 10C. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, the only uh, prototype spore drive... Um, Plus two rogue Federation... Well, they are technically not Federation members, are they? But uh, anyway. no, no, uh, Oh, I, uh, I don't know if Tarka... Tarka did we not might. ask this question last week? Yeah, I think... We, we asked the question about uh, Booker. No, Booker definitely isn't. He's, he's not Starfleet or Federation. I don't think Tarka is Starfleet either. Right. So, but, but they're, um, you know, uh, affiliated, if, you, if, if mm. you want, with the Federation. And that's... Uh, not a good a good sign or a good message, especially if uh, someone realizes that uh, they want to blow the um, the uh, DMA up. You know, mm. like it's eh, maybe not the best move. Small bang. Yeah. Mm. The Federation now runs the risk of provoking a species potentially capable of destroying them all, which is uh, yeah, what what uh, Riak is worried about, and I. I Honestly, I would be worried too. Mm. Burnham tries to defend Booker and is confident she can get to him before it's too late. Taka will need isolinium to build his weapon that can only be found on the black market. Burnham thinks she can find Booker and Taka before they find the supplies. However, Redak thinks Burnham is too close and orders Discovery to gather data in preparation of first contact. Vince is deploying ships to four vendors identified by, staff, by Starfleet intelligence with others to detain Booker and Taka on site. So, yeah, Discovery, the flagship of the Federation, is... Uh, Has been grounded. Yeah, yeah. It's been grounded, yeah. Go to your room. Brilliant. <laughs> go, to, uh, go to your room and gather data. Essentially, yes. Mm. Think about what you've done for a moment. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Burnham was not too pleased. No. 
Well, obviously Vance wasn't either. I mean, he's he he was like a scolded child, wasn't he? Yeah, the well, way he he even said he was. Yeah. Well, it, he's going to be feeling this because yeah, he brought Tarker in uh, into into this situation, so he's going to have to feel some sense of personal responsibility. I, you could argue the same with with Burnham and and Booker. Burnham so, yeah. brought Brook, brought Booker onto the. Uh, into the fold as a civilian. Indeed. Now the two, the two most, what's the best word to use here? Uh, the cannonballs, two biggest cannonballs in the fleet at the moment have gone AWOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're loose cannons. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Loose cannons, that's the one, thank you. In Booker's ship, Booker and Tucker find out that they are now on, Fed- on the Federation's watch list. And I think uh, Tarka said it was not the most uh, the the most beautiful picture of him. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they did that. They they, they tweaked the, the video, but his hair was uh, yeah not 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 the best <laughs> on the photo. I'm not sure whether he was exposed expecting like a catalog pose or something. <laughs> well, of course, he's uh, he's Tarka, you know. Mm. Taka tries to convince Booker that they are doing the right thing, and once it's done, Rilak will have to pardon them. Booker doesn't seem to bite and wants to focus on saving billions, li- billions of lives first. Taka agrees and casually tells Booker that, well, they will need uh, isolinium to complete the weapon. After a moment of surprise, Booker finds a place where the Federation won't be looking for them. It will cost a lot, but Taka says that won't be an issue. So, question... Where did he get all that money? All that cold-pressed latinum? Well, I wrote a note here at this exact point in the review, uh-huh. suggesting that this is hinting at a consortium. Oh. Because if he, ha- if he does have all this money, and to be honest, look, thinking forward, going ahead a few episodes, I still can't work out where that would have happened. But at this moment in time, either... He's part of a consortium, or he has a huge sack of latinum, you know, just hanging around in his pocket somewhere, or he could be on the end of the Federation's piece of string. Yeah. You know, the Federation doesn't exactly, or Starfleet, I should say, probably doesn't have the best record for non-corruption. No. So, hmm. Suddenly I'm, I'm thinking about something, you know, the replicators can replicate pretty much everything. Can a replicator replicate latinum bars? Uh, <laughs> could you could you like have as, as many as many latinum bars as you want just by replicating them? That is such a good question. I have absolutely no idea. It's not something not something I've actually spent time thinking no, about. Me neither. I just I just thought about that. But then again, why would you? Because the thing that Latinum has is value. Yeah. Because it is quite a rare and scarce commodity. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. And in fact, the Latinum is, it's an alloy. Yes. Latinum with gold? Gold-pressed Latinum, yeah. Yes. And gold apparently is, is everywhere now, so gold itself isn't, isn't worth that much. But it's the Latinum that's, 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 the, that's worth the money. Yeah. If you then attempt to replicate and basically swamp the market with more Latinum... The value of latinum is going to go down significantly. Yeah, well, you don't want to do that. But why do people 
forge money, you know, because they want the money, but they don't, they don't have it, and they don't care about the, 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 the value of of the of the money, right? But money has no intrinsic value. Yeah, it's what it represents, true. not what it is. Yeah, gold, yeah. platinum, they are physical items. It's the actual item that's worth the money, not the piece of paper that has basically an IOU written on it. Tell that to everyone who's trading NFTs. <laughs> Please. That, that's a completely separate episode, which I will not be taking part in. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I just thought about it. But but, but where where did he get the money? I don't know. Um, maybe we'll know one day. Maybe we won't. Maybe he saved that money since, like, forever. From From what? His allowance? Which he probably doesn't have. Oh, hang on a second. He, was he? What did he do before he became? Yeah, well, I don't did know. Did he but, do trading or something? I can't remember. I don't know. Was he a trader? But he works. Well, he worked, he, worked, he was a emerald chain. Yeah, slave, yeah he was a, a captive scientist. Yes, but that wouldn't have earned him money. No, I don't know where he got that money. Mm. Uh, if anybody knows. Where he got that money without spoiling future episodes that we have already seen? Tell us. <laughs> tell us in the in, in in the chat or in the uh, the comments. We will tell you the comments section on the website. We will tell you that later on. So where were we? In Burnham's quarters, an obviously disturbed Admiral Van Santos. He explains how he met Taka a long time ago and trusted him since then. He wonders what he missed to not see what Tucker was up to. He feels guilty for bringing the scientist into the fault. He knows Booker is not going to go... All right, I need to do that again. (laughs) He knows Booker is not going to go get his isolinium at any place the Federation is aware of. And, while admitting he will never publicly go against President Rilak... He orders Burnham to do everything she can to find Booker and Tarka. But I think he says, you do that within the parameters of your mission. So yes, go get some data and also kick some ass. But the order is to do what you're told. So you have your mission, go and do it. Yeah. But at the same time, he then gives her another order. Yeah. Which is a complete contradiction of the original order. It, <laughs> so how do you do both when one is essentially the opposite of the other? It's not a complete opposition. I mean, the order is to do what she's been asked, is, and that's to go get information for first contact, right? But then there's the second order, which is do something to get the uh, to to get Taka and and Booker back. So. All she needs to do is get creative and figure out where she can find uh, information about uh, for first contact uh, near or at the same place that Booker will be, which she doesn't know. It, it's kind of complicated. Okay, mm. I, got, I got that. I got that. Yeah. 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 Mm. Anyway, that brings us to Act One. As you may have noticed, I have trimmed well i have actually rewritten the the whole teaser and act one i think and then i i based on memory alpha which uh, also we are going to tell you about at the end of this episode anyway act one 
In engineering, Saru and Stamets offers their moral support to Burnham. She wonders what they got from the coordinates Zora gave them, but there's not a lot of information, except that they know there's a significant gravitational presence. Ooh, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's... Yeah, that's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> yep. To get more information, they will need to visualize it. So when, when they said that, I was like, okay, so now you need to go there. But no, not yet anyway. Zora figures out that a warp-capable species lives inside the galactic barrier, but close to the coordinates. The species never encountered the Federation, but had contact with the Orions before. Burnham knows a broker on Parathia that has contact with everyone and should be able to provide them <laughs> with some of the species' stellar survey. Hmm. Hmm. I wanna, when I heard that, I thought about uh, a Star Wars reference when um, uh, Han Solo suddenly realized he can go and, and see Londo. What's, what's Londo's name? I don't know. If someone in the chat knows... It's suddenly they realize that they know someone who knows everyone. And now you wonder, why didn't you go earlier? Oh, I see. Yes. You know? Say, oh, yes. I know this. But this, this person knows everyone. Yeah, but, but, so it's, it's like six episodes since you met the DMA. Why didn't you go and ask them? <laughs> they, probably, yes. they probably know something. But anyway. In the corridor, Burnham informs Saru that she's taking Commodore Owashikun with her on Porathia, but since the Federation is not welcome there, they'll use a shuttle, and Discovery will have to keep its distance. Saru is suspicious that Rilak and Vance might not agree with Burnham's actions. She tells him Vance asked slash ordered her to find Booker and Taka, and she believes they'll be on Porathis. Saru assures her She's the only one capable of changing Book's mind. No, I would question that. Yeah. I don't think she's capable of that at all. Well, she might not be capable of doing it, but I think Sarah was right. There's no one else that is more capable capable than Burnham. Doesn't mean she is actually <laughs> capable of doing it. No, but out, out of all of the people who are incapable yeah. of changing his mind, she is the most likely to change his mind even though she won't yeah. she's the clear as mud yeah she's the less incapable <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah Saru is a is a clever I mean he, he's so right through her in, in like five seconds it's his superpower yeah yeah uh, I think my quote of the week was in this scene really yes Share with the class, please. <laughs> Certainly. At the very, or towards the end of that scene, Burnham said to Saru, you don't miss much, do you? To which he responds, only when sleep deprived. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know if that happens, actually, but he, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a clever, he's a clever Kelpian, for mm. sure. He's receptive. Yes. That's the uh, well. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't have them anymore. The uh, the ganglions? thingy. Yeah, the ganglia. I think. Yeah, I gang. If, yeah, yeah. Gang. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. We've not spoken about that in in Ages. seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Booker and Taka arrive at Porathia in a place called Asmozaro's Karma Bay Barge. 
some kind of bar slash club slash casino slash fight club slash dump. I think it's supposed to be like a cross between Riser and Quarks. It's, <laughs> both, it's kind of a, a, a hedonistic... Yeah, but both places you just mentioned were a lot more uh, welcoming. <laughs> I mean, Quarks was 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 a nice place, you know, despite yes. the presence of... Uh, Quark? The, well, no, Quark is a good guy. <laughs> He's a good guy, Quark. No, Quark is cool. Quark yeah, is cool. cool. Most Ferengis are cool. Some mm. some are, are are you know bad people, but most Ferengis no. But there there was there were thieves and 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 you know outlaws and stuff like stuff like that. But all in all, it was a it was a good bar. I, w- I would have loved to visit the the actual set of of Quarks. I would actually want to go to the Deep yeah. Space Nine. Yeah, because we all know it's a real place. It, it is, of course. So yes, I'd love to go out there. It might might take a few decades to get there, but yeah. you know. Booker is sure as will have the isolinium, or knows someone who have some. He also hopes has has forgotten something he's done in the past, otherwise they might be in big trouble. Booker, with Taka shadowing, heads towards the guard and introduces himself as Glowworm. Mazzaros suddenly appears and leads them into the back where he wonders about Michael. Book says it's not; it's still not his. Uh, his it's still. It is still none of his business. Mm-hmm. And doesn't elaborate, but tells uh, Mozaro he needs pure isolinium. Mozaro asks why he needs it, but all Booker's produces for a response is a couple bars of gold-pressed latinum. Mozaro tells them it's going to cost more than that. Taka puts more money on the table, and uh, Mozaro takes it all, but refuses to give them a deal because of the old score he has to settle with Book. <laughs> that was funny how he did that. When when Book says, "So do we have a deal?" Uh, I'll get your money, no. but no. <laughs> no. No, make the deal, then show the money. Yes. Mozaro signals his guards to take them out, but Booker proposes a new deal. He finds the cheaters and cat counters in the casino, and Mozaro gives them the isolinium. They got themselves a new deal. Seems reasonable. Yeah, I mean. Uh, You've got a problem, I take care of your problem, and you give me what I want. Well, the money, in theory, the money that they would save Mazzaro by rooting out cheats and swindlers yeah. would easily pay for the isolinium without the additional Latin in which they've already lost. Probably. <laughs> but then when you deal with someone like Mazzaro, I think you, you're in, you know, um, uh, cut your losses, bud. <laughs> All the way. Yes, yes. Not exactly somebody you can trust. I mean, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a good face. I mean... <laughs> no? No, no, still no. not somebody you can trust. Okay. All right. <laughs> About their shuttle, Burnham explains that the casino is a dead zone. No tech, no weapon. And there may be other surprises she doesn't know about. Awashikun wonders why Burnham brought her along, given that she could easily... Um, check the uh, survey herself. The captain refers to the incident on the bridge in the subspace rift and assures Oshikun that she knows how it feels to want to do something, anything, and how it feels when you couldn't. Just then, 
The shuttle drops out of warp, and what appears to be a massive sea creature approaches them. It is revealed to be a hologram, and the Karma barge appears before them. Ta-da! Reminds me of Picard's... Uh, what was that? Ha! Huh. What was this episode? Where they arrive uh, at a kind of a casino, and they've got all the ads popping at them and things like that. Yes! Stardust isn't City that, Isn't that... Yes, Star, Stardust City, yes. Stardust City. The episode was Stardust City Rag. Yeah. That was where yeah. Raffi met her son? Yeah. I think? Maybe. I don't know, I'm going from memory. Yeah. Probably got yeah. it wrong. But. It's possible, it's possible. Hmm. But yeah, the, 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 the arrival with the... The hologram and things like that reminded me of of that, uh, which actually would be yes. the other way around because Star, Stardust City Rag was produced. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, probably. Uh, mm, season. I don't know. Season th- that was season three. That was pr- produced well before. That was in season one of Picard. Oh, sorry. Of course, it was. What we're we talking about. So yeah, still it was, well before this. It was before this. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Still in uniform, minus combadges and weapons, Burnham and Owashikun enters the barge. Burnham is greeted by Badzero, who calls her Right Hook. He asks if Burnham was there as a Starfleet captain or as a friend. Both, she replies, as she pulls out two bars of latinum, explaining she was there for extragalactic stellar service from the Stilth. She then asks about isolinium and shows the rest of her latinum. Mazzaro remarks on how the prices go up with multiple bidders and suspects she knew that already. Burnham asks if the other bidder was there and Mazzaro confirms. He invites her and Owashikun to take a seat at the card table while he looks for the star shot. After Mazzaro leaves, Burnham offers to let Owashikun return to the shuttle, but she reassures her captain that she's there all the way and that Burnham couldn't have seen what was coming. Uh, I, I mean, Burnham says that she didn't know, but she was hoping. I think she was she was pretty damn sure that he was going to be there, mm. or at least that he would he would come here for the isolation. Maybe the timing, you know, it's just a huge coincidence that they're there at the same time. No, not in the slightest. No, no coincidence. No, because. At them having worked together for quite some period of time, she would have picked up a lot of the information, of the, the 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 knowledge he had of trade. Yeah, that explains the location. I mean, she knows that he's gonna have to come here, but the 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 fact that they are here at the same time that that's a huge coincidence of synchronicity. Well, when you. F- Factor in. How did they get there? How did um, Owashikun and Burnham get there? Using Discovery and a shuttle. Uh, they did use Discovery, that's fine. I was going to say that uh, Book would have had a significant head start because they had the spore drive, but then again, so did Burnham. So, And they would have had to have shuttled in as well. Indeed. Has Book's ship got a shuttle? Of course mm. it has. Of course it has. It does? Yep. Mm. It has? Well, it can, you know, drop one piece of, of the shim and re rearrange itself anyway, so 
Mm. I'm pretty sure it can generate a shuttle. <laughs> Probably. Meanwhile, in the casino, Booker notes a number of card counters, pickpockets, and other cheats, including one using rhythmic blinking while staring at the deck. Tucker leaves his side to investigate. As Booker moves to follow him, he is stopped by Burnham, who takes him aside to talk. Burnham tries to convince him that whatever Tucker pulled him into was not worth it. Booker tells her that Tucker did not pull him into anything, that they had made the plan together. Breaking half a dozen Federation laws in his view was worth if it stopped the DMA from killing more people. Panam warns him that if he buys the isolinium, he will cross a line he could not come back from. Booker reminds her that when they first met, he had just hijacked someone's ship carrying a cargo of endangered species and asks if she was truly surprised at his ability to cross lines. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair comment. Mm -hmm. Indeed. He tells her to leave, but she tells him she can't and will try and stop him. Mm. So now I realize that the ship we saw on the the first episode, well, the, the episode where Burnham arrived in the future. It's that season three. It's, yeah, it's yeah. that ship he was referring to at the beginning of the episode when he stole uh, Mozaro's client's cargo. Click. Click, yeah, it, me too. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense now. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So that ship is actually not his ship. He stole it. Or did he stole the cargo only? Oh, he might have only stole the cargo. What, what did I just say? Well, it said said here he just no, hijacked someone's, someone's ship, ship carrying a cargo, yeah. so it's the ship that he'd hijacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was that the same ship? Because my my visual recollection of the ship at the beginning of season three is different to how the ship looks now. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because they had these these portholes on the side where the trans transworms were, were yeah. stored. But as as I just said, uh, Book's ship is morphing, so maybe it did morph. Is it morph-capable, or can it just disassemble and reassemble itself? Yeah. Not necessarily the same thing. True. So <clears throat> I might have to go back and watch. We don't know. Yeah. Watch the first episode of season three again. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first act um, ends on, on the uh, the confrontation between Booker mm. and, and um, Burnham, who still hasn't lost her superpower of being able to whisper Whispering. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I tell, I tell you what, when she delivered that final line, stop you. Yeah. She did it well. She she didn't. No, I'm going to stop you. Yeah. She kind of eye contact, paused, stop you, and then walked away like a boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Badass Burnham. She's got it. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't seem very impressed, though. I have to say. No, because I think he realizes that she'd kind of. Yeah, may, yeah. may have had the upper hand there. Yeah, I don't think she expected him to. No, I don't think he expected her to speak to him in that way. Well, he wasn't expecting her at all. I think. Do you really think so? Yeah, maybe not that soon. That's reasonable, but yeah. I I don't think either of them thought they were going to be able to to get through this particular episode. And I mean, with a small e, this mm-hmm. this 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 um 
Yeah, uh, I, I going, see what going Geth and Latin without seeing each other. Probably, yes, yes. So, Act 2. Balham returns to where Mozaro and Aoshikun are in discussion and asks how much Latinum he wants to take the Isodinium out of play. Mozaro replies it will be three times as much as she has. And not 47 times. But they missed something here. Hmm. Balham agrees, but Mozaro refuses that she uses a com channel. He has been monitoring Federation channels and knows Booker and Taka are wanted men and doesn't want the Federation to, um, to raid his barge. Burnham is adamant that Mazzaro cannot sell Booker the Isolinium, but Mazzaro says he can, unless Burnham buys it first. As he leaves, Burnham realizes they have to earn a lot of Latinum and fast. Oshikun glances at the fighting ring and tells Burnham she has an idea, one, she concedes, is, quote-unquote, a little crazy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, totally crazy, if you think you go in there. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, dear listener... Keep listening. Keep listening, because mm. what happens next is awesome. <laughs> Are you trying to clickbait our listeners? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. What happens next is horrifying. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> After these messages. <laughs> now, let's go to today's sponsor. Oh, we don't have one. <laughs> back about Discovery, Stamets enters the quarter he shares with Dr. Culber finding the doctor furiously and personally cleaning every surface in the room and shouting at a dot 23 attempting to do the work. Poor dot. Poor dot, yeah. But when when it went back to its dock, its head was hanging down as if it had just been told off. Yeah. Wow. That's funny because all droids in in Star Wars do the same thing. I mean, you shoot at them and then... And then Star Trek, the same thing with the dots. I mean, yep. why? <laughs> They're boats. Why not? Yeah, why not? Because it's good for TV. Stamets can see Kelber is stressed and asks if it was about Booker. I mean, <laughs> yeah, welcome, Dr. Obvious. I mean, when you see... <laughs> you are stressed, aren't you? Duh! No! No, I'm not! Kelber believes he didn't do enough to help Booker. Stamets tries to reassure him that what Booker did was not the doctor's fault, but Kelber believes it was. Stamets points out that Kelber couldn't solve his patient's program. He had to help them find their own answers. Which is fair assessment. I mean, a psychologist? Psychology? Psychologist. He's not there to solve the problems. He's just there to... Help it's express more psychiatry than psychology. Psych- yeah, something. I'm not sure. Yeah, psychiatrist, maybe. He's there, or they're they're there to help their patients to express and 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 figure out their problems and yep. find yep, the yep. solutions. Yeah. Stamets also has his own anxiety anxieties. While they were not the same, Stamets believe both their problems stem from uncertain and uncertain. And then, then. Ensign, Ensign who? <laughs> Ensign Dutty. Stamet believes both their problems stem from uncertainty, which he admits is terrifying. So they should be terrified together. I mean, it's fair. If you share <laughs> a terror, maybe it becomes ha- half a terror. But oh, I've never tried that. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I guess, you know, when kids are, have, um, what, what, what are they called? Night, night terrors? Night terrors, yeah. Night, night terrors. Parents usually go with them and spend time with them. Maybe it works, actually. Maybe you can mm. share a terror. Don't well, know. The, the saying goes, a problem shared is a problem halved. I don't yeah. know if there is a similar French idiom. Mm, not that I know of, but yet mm. I don't know. I don't know much French. Really. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I don't know much English. But you, you get you get the, the meaning yeah, behind yeah, the yeah, phrase, yeah, though. Yeah. 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 Stamets reminds Kerber how Kovic wanted him to take time of that. How Kovic wanted him to take time for. No. I, I, dear listeners, that's what you get. You get that, and that's it. Right? We're not, not doing removing anything. it. Nope. Stamets <laughs> reminds Kerber how Kovic wanted him to take time for himself and mentions that the holodeck was, was just updated. So he suggests that they. Uh, take a stroll through a field full of flowers together. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, hand in hand. Yes. Calbert admits he would like that and lives with Stamets while the Dot 23 goes back to work. I mean, the Dot was like, at last, the humans are gone. (laughs) The moment the door closed. (laughs) We love Dots. It's not quite the same as this. We love love Tilly, but we love Dots. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know what kind of upgrade or updates the whole deck gets, but uh, I mean, by by now, that should be a fairly common technology. I think it was more of a content update oh, than right. a technological update. Oh, okay. um, having read into it, uh, there's a particular flower on. Well, it says here Salata Major, Salata Major. I don't know a particular bloom. Which maybe oh. wasn't in the in the the data banks before. Okay. So they can now walk through a field of flowers they've never walked before, walked through before. Nice. No, why not? No, why not? Yeah, yeah. At the Karma Barge, Owashikun prepares to take on Atoker. I don't know where they got the name from because I'm not sure we ever heard the name. But anyway, it's not underlined either, so no. the, that he doesn't. That person doesn't have an article. Yeah, no. maybe it's mm. called. I don't know, Jundo. Who knows? <laughs> In the fighting ring. And initially does not well against the much, 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 against the much larger fighter, but remains determined. Meanwhile, Booker tells Tarka that Burnham has found them and will try to buy the isolinium from under them. Tarka, in the meantime, has identified the alien Booker saw earlier and grudgingly admits Booker was right about the blinking. And I think that's my quote of the week when Taka says, pardon me if I mispronounce that, but you were right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my quote yeah. of the week. Yeah. Something, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't, didn't write it down, but I think it's, that's what he said. Mm. As they watch the person leave, Booker suddenly sees them changes, change into a human looking form and realizes they are changeling. Oh. <sighs> Tucker tells Booker to keep his eyes open while he figures out a way to neutralize the cheater. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I understand that a changeling in a casino could be a problem. Yes. Particularly as it could it could disguise itself as a picture on a wall or a yeah. 
or whatever things that Odo could convert himself into, including yes. goo in the bucket. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Back in the fighting ring, Oshakun is losing again, but she insists on continuing despite Skur's larger ty- size. Panam finally decides to go all in on one last match, betting all of her Latinum on Oshakun. So I didn't understand why she said, all right, one more, one more fight all in. What didn't that mean? I mean, except that she's going all in by putting her last two bars of Latinum, but I don't know. I have a theory, but I can't share it until we get to the end of this scene. Okay. Because it gives, it gives away something, the rest of the scene. (laughs) Okay. Also, I, I understand that Burnham is still the superior officer uh, to Owosukun, but I don't think she had she had anything to to say in this in this fight. I mean, Owosukun was on the ring if she wanted to go back. Uh, that she, and she says that I, I think uh, during the scene that she she doesn't need Burnham's approval, but still they act like. Captain and, uh, and what did you see? Lieutenant Commander? Lieutenant Commander or Commander, I can't remember. No, yeah. I think it's Lieutenant Commander, you're right. Yeah. But they're not exactly there on book, if you'll pardon the expression, <laughs> right no. now. They are very much unofficial. So yeah. any any suggestion of rank, I would think, is irrelevant. Yeah, so- they're there as two people trying to, well, basically trying to save Booker as much as anything else. Yeah, so, so I, there's, had, there's there's no no offices in that place. If I had been Oshikun, I would say, "Well, screw you, I'm going back." <laughs> right. In the ring, as the bell rings, Oshikun opens with a low blow to Curtis Crutch. Briefly, holds his neck up against the ropes and finally flings him down to the mat, winning the match. Yes. <laughs> well, how come she didn't do that the first time? Yeah. Right. So this is this is where my theory comes in. Uh-huh. So where are they? In in a barge in a kind of fight club some casino. Right. Okay. All right. What what is the place full of? Strong mostly male pe- people. Okay. I'm thinking specifically oh. the place is full of cheats, oh, swindlers, yes. hustlers. Okay. Uh-huh. Gamblers? Gamblers, right. Uh, well, in fact, that's the other half of it. So, Owo has basically hustled everybody around them. Yeah. So, the way you do it is you lose the first set of uh, of matches, and you encourage everybody to to bet on your person, even though they're losing. But the person, your your fighter, is actually holding back so severely right now. And this is what Owa has done. I don't think Burnham was in on this to start with. Certainly looking at how concerned Burnham was, I don't think she was in on this. So at the point when Owa then insisted on continuing, Burnham finally decides to go decides to go all in on one last match. Well, she would have put all that money on Owa. But Owa's odds... Owa, not Owa. Owa. Yeah, Owa's odds will be so high right now because clearly she's crap. Yeah. No offence. 
So she stops playing around, stops faffing around, actually fights, defeats him with a very low blow, both from a rules and also from a pain threshold perspective, and takes him out. So their winnings on the back of that are going to be fairly huge. Yeah, 45 to 1. Right. I'm surprised nobody called them out on effectively gaming the system. Well, but then again, you're in the middle of a whole hundred of people that hundreds of people that are gaming the system. They did later on, but they had the try. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the part you didn't rewatch, maybe. <laughs> Alright. Saying this, Booker insists that Taka hurry, but Taka replies that, well, you can't rush genius. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's why I take my time all the time, every time. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> As Burnham and Awashikun collect their winnings, Kerr and his manager attempts to take a cut, claiming they were hustled. Awashikun tosses the manager aside and Kerr produces a knife. Well, he, he materializes a knife. It, it just appeared in his hand. Mm. Well, anyway. Um, I read that already. Booker rushes to assist allowing Burnham to knock him out with the right hook. Him not being Booker, but uh, Kerr. Kerr, yes. Booker then spots the changeling and remarks he could use an assist as well. As Burnham and Booker attempt to corner the changeling, it turns into a trivial and rolls away before taking another humanoid form and then becomes trapped in a force field courtesy of Tarka. Nice. As Mazzaro teleports in demanding to know what was going on, Burnham tells... Burnham tells him she has the Latinum he wanted, and Booker adds that he found the cheater. Looks like we got a draw, Mazzaro concludes. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. No. Of course mm. not. At least I now know where the, the triple reference came from in the intro to the episode. Yes. That was... Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember why triples were mentioned. Ah. And, of course, this is the reason. Yeah, this yes. is the reason. And that was the end of Act 2. We shall jump into Act 3. As Burnham and Booker argue, Mazzaro cuts them off, revealing two buyers to take the Isolinium off of their ends, and offers to settle the matter in, in traditional courier fashion, a game of Leonian poker. After a moment, Burnham agrees, and immediately so does Booker. Mazzaro lays out the rules. He keeps their Latinum, the winner gets the isodinium, the rest gets nothing. But pretty easy. I mean, even I can understand those rules. Yeah. Burnham, have, Burnham has one question. Given the stakes, could they verify the purity of the product first? Mazzaro agrees, taking the two new contenders in the back first. Burnham tells Booker that they cannot lose the isodinium to them. Booker replies that he does not intend to, nor to Burnham, for that matter. Burnham concedes he is better at Leonian poker than she is, but reminds him of their time on the Schaefer colony, and how the odds could be modified if they work together. A.K.A. we cheat. <laughs> yes. Mazzaro calls for the next inspection, and Burnham is able to see immediately that it was pure isolinium. Now, when she did that, I thought there's something weird here. The way it was presented the way she was she kept talking the way she, but i just couldn't put my hand on it 
happen in that thought. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Let's see what I did there. <laughs> Something really weird happened just immediately after that. Mazzaro said something really out of character, in my opinion. He said, I'm not sure what's going on between you and Booker, but I hope that your relationship works out. I wonder whether Mazzaro is a little bit sweet on Burnham. Maybe. Because that just, it just seem it, it doesn't seem like anything he would ever say to anyone, ever. True. Also, when he welcomed the Booker, he welcomed someone who owed him something. But when uh, Burnham arrived, he asked if she was there as a friend. So, mm. yeah, maybe. Maybe. Unless we're just seeing a, just a small glimpse of the real Mazzaro, not the one that he chooses to yeah. display to everybody at the at the barge. That actually, yeah. he, maybe deep down, he's a nice person. Ooh, I wonder how his nah. enemy would take that. Mm. Mm. Maybe it's a, a way to uh, um, put pressure on him. Oh, be nice to me or I tell everyone that you're a nice guy. Ooh, mm. careful now. Yeah, mm. I know. As the game progresses, Burnham becomes rather talkative, mentioning that Booker has a tell rubbing his hair on a good hand. All the while, Booker and Burnham communicate in silent code and manage to eliminate one of the other two players. Watching on the sidelines, Taka asks Owashikun what she thinks of what he and Booker are doing. Owashikun understands why they thought this would be the way to go, but believes that someone taking that kind of risk and hoping it would not blow back on them would require a hell of a big ego. Well, duh. Let me introduce you, Sarka. Mr. Big Ego. Yes. She asks why he, the Federation's genius darling, would throw away his career. Taka replies he didn't care about what the Federation thought of him. Oshikun asks if this was about someone who died, if it was a kind of revenge, or guessing he was keeping a promise, a promise to someone who was gone. Oh. Oh. Clever girl. Mm. Taka finally tells her there were varying degrees of loss, and if she could feel the weight of his, she would reconsider how much choice one has with regards to what comes out of it. Now, that brings us back to last week's episode when Taka... Was it last week or the week before? When Taka explains to Book that he had lost someone. Yep. And we thought, you know, uh, he was that, that that person was a good friend or something. And I think it it starts to feel like it's more like just a good friend. I, I I don't know how we can qualify that if we even can qualify that, but it seems more like uh, you know they've lost a friend, right? So this is kind of what I was, it, it was last week because we we spoke about it briefly, um, and I th I think that you're kind of saying what I was trying to say last time, in that this this individual is more than just a casual friend. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, mm -hmm. and I think it, at that, at the moment I think it's really really complex. Yes, it's like 
Facebook status. You know, it's complicated. It's complicated, yes. Just then, a loud thump from the table returns their attention to the game. The second player has been eliminated, leaving it, ju- leaving it now just between Booker and Burnham. As Mazzaro deals the flop, Burnham warns that if Booker won the Isolinium, he would incinerate every bridge he had ever built, including the one between them. Starfleet would come after Booker with everything they had, and she would be one of the tools. She pleads him, she pleads with him to end it, and Booker seemingly agrees, as he pushes his ships all in. Panam does likewise and turns her card over, showing a straight. Booker, however, has a flush, winning the game and the, and the isolinium. Booker apologizes to Panam and leaves. Ooh! Ouch. That's gonna hurt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't... I, I don't know if she thought she could win. Probably not. But, yeah, that, that's that's gonna hurt, anyway. I don't think she would have done it if no. she hadn't thought she was going to win. I mean, to be fair, she was backed into a corner. Yeah. Booker put his chips in first. Yes. So she had no choice but to do the same. Except if she had more coins, more chips, but she didn't. No, when, if there's just two of you, if you all go, if you both go all in, you only put in the lower of the two amounts. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if she had more chip than Booker, then mm. she could have saved some. But still, anyway, she went all in and she lost. Bummer. So the gamble here for Booker, he is willing to basically throw away everything he's currently got, right? His relationship with Mm. uh, Starfleet and the Federation, any argument he originally had has now been erased Mm -hmm. because, well, he has no argument now. And his relationship with Burnham. Yeah. What on earth would possess him to do this? Just the fact that he, he wants to stop the DMA. But is it just that? Uh, I don't know. What species is Tarka? Hmm. Good, I can't remember good the name. question. I think we were told. Maybe not. I'm wondering whether Tarka has got some kind of um, telepathic or psychic hold no. over Booker. Because he was so willing blindly almost to give up everything he had just to get this isolinium despite the fact he knows how bad it is he knows the devastation that's going to be caused through the use of it and yet didn't blink when it came to winning this isolinium he just said i'm sorry michael and went yeah he's not thinking straight i never thought about that you might be on to something here We'll see. I doubt it. All my theories are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So that was the end of Act 3, and we are now going to Act 4. Back on his ship, Booker stares at a projection of the DMA. Tucker acknowledges that sacrifice was always heavy and thought doing it for the right reasons should help, but never did. 
He believes that Burnham and the others will understand in time, and Booker thinks it's possible. But what what would be worse is if the sacrifice was for nothing. So they should carry on uh, what they're planned to do, and the DMA once and for all. I, I'm thinking about what you said, and I'm, wouldn't he be more... How, how can I say that? More... Uh, I don't know how to say that. It, it, it seems to me that uh, Booker was a bit sad or, or dull, you know, like, yeah, okay, let's let's do that. You know, if he was under the influence of influence of Taka, maybe it would be a little bit more joyful, maybe. You know, like Taka. Taka is uh, is all, uh, yeah, let's go. Let's build a weapon and destroy the, the DMA. Go. I think you're talking about remorse. Uh, maybe. Maybe that's remorse, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think... Mm. No, I, I think you you may be right here. I'm not going to say those <laughs> words, but I do think you may be right here. Uh, you're waiting for them. Perhaps Tarka doesn't have that kind of of, uh, of control over 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 book as I as I suggested. I think he, he, yeah, he probably would be genuinely remorseful for what it is that he's he's done and what they're about to do. But you'll notice it's always Tarka who is justifying yeah. the actions that they're taking. Yeah. Very rarely is it Booker, except to Michael. This is kind of the weird thing about it. It's like he he's he's Tarka's mouthpiece, but he doesn't have a choice with Michael. I mean. He- is there? He, he wants to destroy the DMA, and, and Taka said, "Well, we need uh, isolinium, so that's what he needs." But yeah, mm. we'll see. This uh, this relationship between the the, the two um, is evolving, or is uh, is going deeper. I don't know if we can say that. But uh, well, we've got another f- five episodes in mm-hmm. the series after mm-hmm. this one, so lot lots could happen. Yes. Back at Federation headquarters, a somewhat annoyed Rilak speaks with Burnham and Vance. Burnham confirms she was at the barge to obtain a stellar survey, which would figure out uh, what was at the coordinates. She also admits she had a hope of running into Booker as well. Rilak expresses admiration for Burnham's ability to navigate a loophole, though she is concerned that Booker and Taka were not brought in. Vance defends Burnham, but Rilak points out that Burnham literally bet everything and lost. That's, uh, that was cleverly done, because she did bet everything she had, and she lost yep. everything. So, yeah, yes. yeah, well done, well done. Burnham offers a correction, however. She planted a tracker on the isolinium that could be detected multiple sectors away. Yeah, and I knew there was something. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then we we see the same scene again, and then we see her putting the uh, the uh, tracker. Though I have to say, such a small tracker being detected like sectors, galactic sectors away, mm. yeah, yeah, it's gonna have a thirty third century technology, mate. Yeah, mm. I wonder how but, uh, Booker didn't detect that. I mean, he probably should he have wasn't scanned looking that. for it. Come on, he knows. Oh, we don't want to be encrypted because they don't do security in uh, yeah, but Starfleet. You, a signal that can travel sectors, I mean, surely you can detect some kind of electromagnetic 
thingies. Right. This is this is something I'm learning through my amateur radio hobby. Is that it is very easy to secrete a signal in the noise that is in space. Okay. I think it was Tilly about four episodes ago said that um, space has a particular sound, a particular noise, a particular smell, I think she said. Okay. Um, If you know what that is, then you could put something in there that you could could mistake for thinking, is that noise, but actually can be extracted from it if you know the right way of doing it. What are those things? Is it spectrograms where you can hide a message inside a photograph uh, by just yeah. subtly changing some of the pixels? You can't see it by looking at it. But if you've got the right equipment, you can pull the message out. Okay. Similar kind of thing, but with sound. All right. Okay. Another t- theory, though, that I, I, I have is that maybe Booker knew and found the tracker but just left him they left it there and didn't say anything to uh to Tucker. You know, just just to you know, all right, okay, so they know where we are. They can they can follow us as long as we have, you know, one we're one step ahead. Yeah, just 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 to keep in, in the good graces of the Federation. That's a really good theory. Hmm. We'll see. Another one we need to track. That's about 575 theories that we need to track. Oh, at least. Burnham brings up a projection showing the exact location of Booker's ship. Vance notices the ship is not moving because Tucker is assembling the weapon. He realizes they will only have one chance to catch them unaware and prepares the, to begin mission planning when Saru chimes in, saying that Stamets has discovered something that cannot wait. What can that be? In engineering, Stamets shows a projection of what was found at the coordinate. Saru explains that natural astrophysical bodies project black body radiation. (laughs) Everybody knows that, except the president, apparently. But the subject does not, meaning it was artificial. Wow. The object in question is 228 million kilometers in radius, which is large, large enough to contain a star and two or three orbiting bodies. We need to stop there. The thing is like a an ellipsis that has been revolved, like, like an, an egg shape, right? Mm-hmm. Such a shape doesn't have a radius. It has at least Two or three, right? So it would be a sphere if it doesn't yeah, if it only had one radius. So Okay. No, 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 that's my geeky moment, right? I see what you're saying, but I also see what they were trying to say. Yeah, I know they're not gonna start explaining, well it's two hundred and twenty eight mm. million by twenty six which makes it the- No, okay, right. But then why two hundred and twenty eight? What was the 47 in that? Uh, no, I don't think... No, it's, not, it's not even four 47s. No, no. Um, <sighs> one, another uh, missed opportunity. Mm. Anyway. 
I, I did. I did have a look. I think about that that figure of two hundred twenty eight million kilometers, mm-hmm. and thinking that's not very big. I'm sure the moon, the the sun must be around about that. But no, I'm well off. The sun is only seven hundred thousand kilometers wide. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that the core or everything up to? The, oh, sorry, uh... sorry, that's radius. I apologize. Oh. Seven, so f- one point four million kilometers wide. Yeah. Still. It's not it's not that big compared to It's not that. huge, no. No. And it's a natural phenomenon. Whereas this yeah. two hundred and twenty eight million kilometer sphere is uh is artificial. So mm. Mm. that must take a large amount of power to oh hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no signal could be registered coming out of the object. Stamet speculates that it was a hyperfield of some kind, blocking any chance to see inside. Panam asked Zora to examine the areas of space left behind after the DMA changed location to check if something specific was missing, like boronite. Where did she get that from? Oh, let me, I have a hat here. Let me pick a word at random. Uh, boronite. Boronite, yes. I'm just looking up. I'm... Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Saru explains to Rilak that boronite occurs naturally in infinitesimal amounts, but in sufficient quantity could be synthesized to make something far more powerful. I'm not repeating that word again. Enough to power the hyperfield, apparently. What does that mean exactly? Because I thought to be able to synthesize something was to make that thing artificially. Like, you you don't have any, I don't know, I, I'm going to say something, you know, maybe, maybe scientists will shout at me, but you don't have any carbon. You can synthesize carbon by, you know, picking some atom here and there and putting them together, together and boom, you've got carbon. But if you need the thing to synthesize the thing, it doesn't make anything, any sense, but. Why would you want to synthesize something? Because normally you would synthesize something if you couldn't get it naturally. Yeah. But it said there, yeah. it occurs naturally in infinitesimal, can't even say it myself, infinitesimal amounts. Yeah. Well, if it's an infinite amount, why would you want to synthesize something that is already there everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. I, the, it I didn't. Don't make I sense. No, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, apparently you need to. Uh, you need to harvest um, bromite, and then uh, you can transform that into something very powerful. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy Why that. Not? Yeah, I'll buy that mm. too. Zora confirms that there were no traces of boronite at any of the locations visited by the DMA. Again, where did Burnham got that from? Don't know. Maybe we scene was deleted from the script. Uh, mm. Burnham realizes the DMA is not a weapon, but a mining dredge. If the DMA was just used for mining, what would Species Tense's actual weapons be like? And if their power source were disrupted, they would almost certainly see that as a hostile act. Rilak makes it clear that Booker and Tucker must be stopped, whatever the cost. Mm. I know, whispers <laughs> Burnham. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. A 
artificial thing that is 228 million kilometers just to harvest energy. Wow. Makes you wonder indeed what else the st- the species density uh, can, can produce, right? I mean, mining rigs, they can be huge, but usually they're not the you just you just yeah you just yeah yeah, yeah. you just think that, that that you know you can build so yeah uh, they're in trouble they are because it looks like if burnham is right it looks like 10c are unaware of what they're doing mm-hmm. that their activity to them is fairly benign and yet the impact of the activity they're doing is the exact opposite. Yeah. It is devastating. It reminds me of a species who does things to their own planet and suddenly realized that, uh, oh, maybe we're doing things wrong with the ozone layer or with the corals in the, you know, the, the what are they called? The hu- human. Hu- humans. Humans. Yes. Humans. <laughs> yes. 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 A- Agent Smith had it right. Yeah. Humans are a virus. Yes. Indeed. Yes. So that's the end of the episode. What did you think of that episode, Dave? It was a good episode. And unfortunately, that's about as far as I can go with it. <laughs> there are a number of, of elements to it. If you, if you take the plots, so your, your A plot this week was the, um, the visit to um, barge. the barge. And the activity in there, you had the thing with um, Book and Tarka, their side of the deal. You had the thing with Oo and Oo. What's that saying? Oo, Oo, and Burnham and their part of the deal. The um, the fight, the poker game, the acquisition of the Isolinium. There was a lot going on. It was a very, very busy storyline. And considering that that was pretty much the whole episode this time round, we didn't get much else other than a couple of side th- stories, which I'll mention in a second. Although it was good, and it was good to come up with the the findings that we had at the very end of, of the fourth act, I think there was a lot of filler in there. Not from a... An an episode episodic point of view, the episode was necessary, but a lot of what was in there seemed to be filler, and didn't really. Excuse me, it didn't really. So even though I'm saying it, I'm kind of talking myself out of it now. Yes, everything had a purpose, but I think they could have done it a lot quicker. Yes. So they needed to fill out the gaps in the in the episode so that it went for forty whatever it was minutes. I think my biggest concern, my biggest takeaway from this episode is what's going to happen between Book and Burnham. This has been such a big storyline since the start of season three. We're now halfway through season four, and it's taken a nasty turn. I'm concerned for them. Yeah. So that's that's probably the, the, the biggest biggest takeaway, and obviously something we're going to have to look look at over the next five episodes towards the end of the season. Obviously, yeah. I know what happens. Sure, don't tell anyone. 
but it it's still it, it is very much a concern. Yes. Acting wise, absolutely brilliant. I all the characters, all the actors did a really good job. There was nothing that looked out of place at all for me. But I think it was just uh, the only the only criticism, like I say, is they tried tried to put a lot of content into what was otherwise a relatively quiet episode. Yes. So when I watched that the first time, and then the second time, and then the third time, I had the same feeling. That's I'm going to remember that episode, but for the wrong reasons. Not because it's a good episode. Not because it made the story, you know, move to another uh, another chapter or something. Because really, they didn't have they didn't have the isolinium, and then they have the isolinium. That's that's mm. the, the, the 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 whole episode. Uh, nothing that what happened in this episode, I think, will ever come back. So it's it's a content episode, and that's. That's why this is a memorable episode because of the settings, right? Because it's not on Discovery. It doesn't, it's not on, on Starfleet headquarters. It's in this thing that is so different from everything else we've seen before and we we'll probably see um, again. And that's, it's the same thing with the episode um, when. Discovery is trapped on the ice planet, and they're in, in this bar with um, with Giorgio and and Tilly. It's it's one of those where, although the one I'm referring to uh, made the story uh, progress, but this this one I, I don't I don't think it made the story progress that much, except for the relationship between Booker and and Burham, where now it took a probably a wrong turn. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to see a triple, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I'm, I'm not convinced it's a good one. It's one that is memorable, but again, I said, as I said, not not because it's it's very good, just because it's different, which is a very valid reason to remember an episode. But mm. so all in all, yeah, as you said, acting, yeah, but we're used to that now. Um, they're doing a good job every week. Um, that is rarely a screw up by one of the uh, main cast. Mozaro was uh, was was funny. Uh, I, I thought it was a funny character. I would love to see him uh, recurring or see him again, but um, it's probably not going to happen. And um, yeah, that no no A B C D E plots, just the main thing. It was yeah. all. It was pretty much all, you know, you could see that coming from miles away when, when Owo looked at the ring, you know, all right, she's going to fight. and uh, Okay. Um, and when they played poker, you, you, it was evident that they were going to finish uh, uh, one against uh, the other. So, yeah, enjoyable. It's still an episode that I enjoy watching. Um, but, yes, as, as I say, it's not going to make my, my top 10 at the end of the of the season well yes it will because there are only 10 episodes <laughs> uh, no it's 13 uh, 13 okay so. 13 yeah yeah it does a so chance you, you will have top it. 10 yeah it, it there's a chance it makes it to the top 10 but mm. who knows all right anything else to add some trivia maybe 
um, not really from a trivia perspective, but you reminded me of something when you were talking about Mazzaro uh, and how how he was a fun character. It reminded me of a character, and I can't find um, anything on Memory Alpha, but it was the, I think his name was Arantine, on, uh, which is the one where they got banished to Repente, the um, Undiscovered Country. Okay. The Undiscovered Country. Um, when Bones and Kirk first got banished to Repente, and Kirk ended up fighting with this kind of blue thing that happened to have its genitals in its knees. He looked a bit like Mazzaro. Okay. But there's no suggestion in Mazzaro's memory alpha page that uh, that there is any similarity between the two. All right. Um, I'm going to try and have a look for details on Arantine to see whether there is any, like, the same makeup or prosthetics or something. I mm-hmm. don't know. No, not a clue. Nothing else? Uh, what have we got for, for trivia at the bottom here? First appearance of a changeling since the season f- series finale of DS9. Mm-hmm. There was a holographic representation of Odo in st- in Prodigy. Oh, in Prodigy, yeah. Okay. Discovery has been to Parathia before. Really? Yeah. It was the Mirror Universe Parathia. Oh. Uh. In the episode Despite Yourself, which was in season one. Oh. Oh, that was the one with um, Captain Tilly. Oh, all right. Or one of the ones with Captain Tilly. The Mirror Mm -hmm. Universe. Uh, No, that was it, really. All right, okay. So that brings us to the end of this week's review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 8, All In. So thanks to all of you for listening to our show. You can help us spread the love for this podcast by jumping into a fighting ring with no training whatsoever, simply to tell the crowd around you about our podcast. Or, if you think you may not even reach the end of the title of episode zero before you lose your teeth and hit the mat, not necessarily in that order, you can simply share the address of our website on social media. (laughs) Excellent. You wrote that. No, you did. (laughs) No, you did. I did. Oh, right. Okay. Definitely. Oh, dear. And you can find our website at tlgreyhot.org where you can find our show notes. And of course, you can leave a comment at the bottom of every one of our episodes. We are on Mastodon at, uh, at TEGH podcast at 1701home.com. Uh, we are also on Telegram at t.me slash TEGH podcast. And we also stream the live recording of these episodes on Twitch over at, that was loud, Twitch, Twitch. over at Twitch, twitch.tv slash T-E-G-H podcast. Many thanks to Memory Alpha. As always, we have based a review on the, uh, of this week's episodes on their work, and this is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution non-commercial license. And the rest of this show is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution share-alike license. Have a look on our website, bottom left, for details. This podcast is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. Check out our website at otherside.network for our shows, our hosts, and all the things uh, about the network. All the things. All the things, yes. Wasn't there an episode of Star Trek called All the Things? Yes, I, can't I think so. Yeah. Our next episode will be our review of Rubicon, the ninth episode of season four of Star Trek Discovery. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Dave, for joining me once again. This Of course. For this 100th-ish episode. 
Again. Again. One <laughs> hundredth <laughs> ish again. Yes, one uh, hundred again. Uh, we should we should look into getting hosts and uh, guests. I mean, in, in the future episode, we, it was fun when we had guests uh, on this show. So it absolutely was. It we really to, was. So we yeah, we should. Yes. If you want to guest on this show, please do reach out to us on any of the details we've given above. Yes. Come and share a show with us. Indeed. Or just you know pop in the chat uh, where we record and and. Uh, you know, interact with us like that. It's always fun too. too. Well, that's it for this week. We will be back next week with a whole lot more Star Trek Discovery. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Ciao, ciao. See ya. Just listening to a member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more of our shows at otherside.network.